Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening here on KMOX on a cold, snowy evening. Thanks so much for uh, staying up late with us here tonight on KMOX. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I walk into the studio and I'm listening, I'm, I'm seeing and listening Mike Claiborne, Matt Pauley, Matt Pajeski, and I'm thinking, when did this Mensa meeting get organized and why wasn't I invited? It was a, it's it's quite a gathering of people here on Camo X, and I'll be with you till ten o'clock this evening, and uh, we've got all kinds all kinds of things to cover this evening. We're of course going to take your calls. We're hopefully going to get uh, reconnected with Jim Carafano of the Heritage Foundation coming up here in the next segment. Uh, we're going to talk Christmas movies, but listen before we get into anything, I got to tell you, and and Matt, turn on your mic there for a second because. One of the things that's cool at a radio station is that there's always food. There's a food all the time. And so I come in tonight, and Matt says, oh, hey, there's some cookies over there. And so I go, I don't know what, I don't know anything about these cookies. I just grab a couple because, hey, that's free food, right? So I'm eating some of these cookies. And, oh, my goodness, these are I had two oatmeal raisin cookies, maybe perhaps the best Oatmeal raisin cookies I have ever had, and then Matt tells me what what they're from your from, oh. from your mom, right? Oh, yeah, they're homemade cookies. Homemade cookies, but it's not just homemade cookies. I mean, your your mom's got a your mom makes these and sells them. Yeah, she's got a little cookie business running out of the kitchen. You know, uh, she'll she'll bake cookies for friends and family and coworkers, and around the holidays, I like to bring in a little uh, part little uh, taste tester tray for uh, all right. my friends here at KMOX. Well, and I thought of something that's great, and and this is I'm going to try this. I took a picture of the uh, it says it says my sister's cookies. Yep, that's right? the company name. And there's a phone number on there, so I take a picture of this with my phone. What I'm going to do is this. I've got this all planned out. I'm going to order some of these from your mom, and I'm going to take them to work. But I'm not going to leave them in the package. I'm going to put them on a plate, wrap them with you know uh, uh, just with plastic wrap, and put them on a plate. And set them out. And when people start eating these, they're going to say, oh, my goodness, Brad, did, did you make these? And I'll say, no, no, no. These are just my sister's cookies. <laughs> and then I can take credit. I can take credit for these amazing cookies. You know, I, I've brought those cookies in enough to KMOX where they're going to taste them and they're going to be like, 
These taste familiar. Nah. <laughs> I know who these cookies belong to. I know, but see, I do it at my law firm's office. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're not gonna. They're not gonna know anything about it. Right. They're not gonna know. But it reminds me. There's a funny story. I remember reading this years ago. That uh, Steven Spielberg is was married. His second wife was Kate Capshaw. I don't know if you ever saw the second Indiana Jones movie, but yeah. she was the blonde that screamed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about all she did. She was blonde. She screamed. She rode an elephant. That was about it. So anyway, he's married to her. And she actually grew up here in St. Louis. Kate Capshaw did. She went to University of Missouri. Uh, I think she went to high school at Hazelwood Central up in North County. And she was here living in St. Louis when when she was dating Steven Spielberg. And so she invited Spielberg to come over to her apartment when they were dating. Now, how intimidating would it be if Steven Spielberg is coming to your place? I, I couldn't imagine. You, you, you'd have to push the vacuum, you know. You'd have yeah. to. <laughs> so apparently Kate Capshaw can't cook. So the story that I've read goes is that she ordered uh, uh, Asian takeout food. And she hid it in the kitchen, and she pretended like she was cooking it. So she would serve the plate in the—she would dish it up and heat it up in the kitchen and then bring it out as if I just cooked this food. That's smart. And she would serve it to, to Steven Spielberg. But at some point, he went into the kitchen and saw it, and the, the illusion was busted. And then he worked it into some movie years later. But uh, I, I'm going to do that with your mom's cookies. Go for it. Because they are fabulous. Oh, and and speaking of of your family, uh, Matt, I just wanted to ask you, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Favorite Christmas tradition? Mm -hmm. Well, every Christmas Eve, my family and I, we spend the night at my uncle's house. He's got a a big old house in the middle of the woods, and we like to wake up together as a family Mm -hmm. and spend Christmas morning together. And I know a lot of people probably don't open up presents this way, but we like to open up presents and this takes a long time, one by one. Cause yeah, we, that's the way. That's the way I do it. Okay, good. Because we like to see, you know, we we want to see other people's reactions to the gifts that we got. Sure. Them. I know you see a lot of times in movies, and I'm sure some families do this. The whole family just tears in all at once, and you know, you, you're not really like taking it all in. So I, we like to go around the family, go around the room. Mm-hmm. You gotta show it off. You take the picture. You know, so that that's definitely my favorite Christmas tradition that we do. Well, I gotta tell you, I I'm as you know, I grew up in Southern Illinois, and it, it, in my growing up years. We would just rip into them like half-starved hyenas, okay, who run across a downed gazelle. And people just just tear into these packages. And so then I moved to St. Louis. I met my wife. We got married. And then her family did it that one at a time. And at at the first time I did that, I thought, this is kind of slow. I'm used used to this, you know, like I said, the, the pack hyena hunting uh, example you, you model. Want to, you want to prolong the enjoyment of it. I know, and now I so appreciate that. Although if, if you're one of 20 people in your family, that's going to be a three or four hour event. It's going to take a while. That's all right. That's, that's why you serve Spike Eggnog, yeah. and that solves the problem. It solves the problem right there. Well, we're going to be doing some interviews here, hopefully this evening. Uh, Jim Carafano of the Heritage Foundation, he's a hard guy to get because he's very busy. And so uh, if we can get him after this break, we're going to talk about updates for the Ukrainian war. He's got his uh, finger on the pulse of what's going on in Ukraine, in the war, how the Russians are doing. And we're going to break all that down with with him, hopefully, after this break. But for the rest of the show this evening, I've got I always have tons of things. I've got enough for like a six hour show to to talk about this evening. 
But throughout the show, I'd like to hear from you about your favorite Christmas traditions, your favorite Christmas movies. Yeah, and of course, I'm going to have to bring up Die Hard. That's my one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, and that's going to have to be brought up this evening as well. But uh, except for the times that we're in an interview, I want to hear from you. That's what at your service means. We're here for you. We're going to come up uh, again right after this break and talk to hopefully Jim Carafano. But stick around here on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to At Your Service here on X. And as you've undoubtedly heard, Ukraine President Zelensky... He made a surprise visit to the United States yesterday. Uh, He met with the president. He addressed a joint session of Congress. But as the war in Ukraine rolls on, it's been hard to find analysis of not just what is happening, but what is likely to happen. So that's why I reached out to James Carafano. He's the director of foreign policy studies and vice president of international studies at the Heritage Foundation. He's a retired U.S. Army lieutenant colonel. Homeland Security expert, uh, James Carafano, thanks so much for joining us this evening here on X St. Louis. Hey, it's great to be with you. Uh, let's start with the current status of the war. Now, winter, of course, has arrived uh, in Ukraine, and the war seems to be slowing. I see a lot of comparisons with World War I with the trench warfare going on, but how are the Russian missile and drone strikes on the Ukrainian power grid, how are those impacting Ukraine right now? So there's really kind of two two separate wars going on. One is the war at the front, which, which we can talk about, and the other is the, essentially the war against the Ukrainian people, um, with the essentially the Russians trying to take out the electrical grid and the infrastructure so people don't have lights or freeze, you know, freeze and stuff. So um, the two things is, uh, is as time goes on, the Ukrainians have been getting and deploying more and more air defense systems. And so it's actually getting harder for the Russians to, to hit targets 
the Ukrainians are shooting down a higher percentage of mm-hmm. drones and missiles. You know, some of these still get through, and of course, these this infrastructure is very soft if you hit it, takes it out. So the, the Ukrainians, with a lot of support, have put a lot of resources into, into making sure that people can still stay warm and the lights go on. And so it's not a you know a, a, a human catastrophe, but what it is doing in this is you know the Ukraine lost about half its GDP in the war, and it's been very very difficult for the Ukrainians essentially to get the economy up and running again, and that's that's probably the biggest problem that the Ukrainians are having right now on in, that front. Interesting, uh, and and you mentioned that the Ukrainians have been more successful recently with uh, defending themselves against uh, Russian missiles. But the United States this week promised to give Ukraine at least one and possibly more Patriot missile systems. So how do you think this is going to help Ukraine? But also what comes to mind is that what are the limitations of this Patriot system, especially regarding suicide drones? So it's not going to be a lot of help against the drones. It, it is going to be a help against some missiles, and it's going to be good for defending, say, the capital and some other areas. Um, uh, but it's one battery. It's a big country, so it's obviously not going to cover the in, entire country. And you know, they they they've got limited stocks. So, I mean, they're not going to be able to shoot down things every day. So I and it's going to be really months. Before it gets there, exactly. Um, you know, and because you've got to train crews, and uh, and you can't do anything in the country, so we're not going to send American troops into Ukraine. So you've got to train people and integrate that stuff. That's going to take a while. Be the Poles did that. We, if you go to what's called J Town, which is the uh, the city, um, we call it J Town because Americans can't pronounce Polish anything. Um, <laughs> it's it's the city on the basically on the border of Ukraine where all the major logistics military stuff goes is rooted through um when you fly in there that place is ringed with air defense system including patriots and you know took the, the and they're not at war it took the poles a while to get all that set up and running and everything so uh, i to i don't want to say it's symbolic because obviously in the long term particularly to be able to confidently defend some critical infrastructure it's going to be a big deal but but it's going to be months before that's deployed and has any impact whatsoever. And and really, the the Patriot missile system, it's not going to be used against drones because uh, no. the, the the economics of that are insane. If you're firing uh, 1.5 million dollar missiles to shoot down uh, uh, fifty thousand dollar drones, it's going to keep uh, it is going to keep Russian airplanes out of. Ukrainian airspace, that's for dang sure. Mm. Uh, and uh, and you can shoot down some missiles and stuff, but you're right. I mean, especially the smaller drones, and it's not it's not designed for that. No. But um, there's been a lot of systems being deployed in Ukraine uh, and shooting down drones and stuff all the time. But, you know, it's, it's one gets through, and that's kind of all you need. Uh, but, you know, I read, I did the envelope on one day when they fired like 70-something missiles at it probably was a billion and a half dollars that the Russians spent in one day. Wow. They, they, I don't think they can keep that up forever. I remember the, the Russians are having trouble kind of replenishing their own inventory because the, the sanctions, they can't get parts to build stuff and everything. So it, it's not a free lunch for them either. So this is, this campaign isn't going to work any better than the 
the the Blitz of London you know, during World War Two. You know, we were not. In fact, nobody ever bought, got bombed in a submission. We dropped, you know, how many tons on North Vietnam, and and they didn't quit. And that's not. It doesn't win wars. It's it's. Uh, it really is kind of a senseless campaign. So so that's. But it just shows the brutality and the inhumanity of, of Putin. But that's. That's not the game changer. It's not going to be the game changer in this war. We're uh, we're talking to James Carafano with the Heritage Foundation, and at least from my perspective, the most ignored aspect of this war is is the intelligence gathering opportunity that this has provided to the United States. So, when Ukraine captures or destroys Russian weapons, how does that help the United States from an intelligence gathering perspective? Well, you know, ironically, probably the most combat experience military and accomplished military in Europe today is the Ukrainian military. And they have um, gathered an enormous amount of experience about the Russian military that really is kind of invaluable and, and will certainly help people prepare and deter for future threats. But the other thing is, is I mean, the Russians have lost an enormous amount of capability and uh, um, I, I just don't see how they're going to be able to credibly threaten to invade other countries again. So there is this threat, which the Russians keep, not the Russians, but everybody keeps talking about of the Russians mounting a, a major offensive in the north. So you think of like three parts, right? From Belarus. The north, well, there's the north, right? Belarus. Then there's the east, right? And then the south, right? So the south is where the 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 uh the really uh parts that really fight Crimea and the access to the mm-hmm. Black Sea and all that. That's the most strategically relevant, right? The then there's the east, which is just ground, and then there's well, obviously people live there. But then there's the north, which is the way you get to the capital of Kiev. And look, I was in Ukraine not long ago and I was at Bucha, which was the high water mark of the Russian offensive Kiev. And they left. They left the tanks where they died and burned, and and they're not very far outside of Kiev. So it's incredible how close the Russians came to actually getting to the capital last time. But so there's this. The Russians are going to conduct a major offensive against Kiev in the winter time. We'll see if that really materializes, or that's just kind of a hollow threat. They they've been fighting in the east, and again, there's all kinds of stories about that too. But. Um, one explanation is is that all that really is designed to, to keep the Ukrainians from concentrating their forces in the south because they're at the Dnieper River, which is essentially it's, it's a big river. It's like four or five miles long. But on the other side of that is Crimea, which is the the major place. It's not just in, in, important for access to the Black Sea. That's where the Russian military fleet, submarines are based out of there. All kinds of military capability, um, and then. And then as you go up from there, there's a land bridge that that goes to Crimea. That, and so the, the Ukrainians would love to cut the land bridge, and then they would actually like to be able to cross over and take Crimea back. And so the argument is is that, that the Russian activity and the threats and everything are really designed to distract the Ukrainians from concentrating their forces in the south. Interesting. Uh, we're talking to uh, James Carafano with the Heritage Foundation. And uh, speaking of deception plans, uh, we hear about every week or so, we hear Vladimir Putin talk about 
suggesting, rather, that nuclear weapons could be used. Now, we've all seen the videos of the mushroom clouds that result right. from the detonation of nuclear weapons. But, but from a tactical military perspective, why is it that nuclear weapons really don't hold the same tactical importance that they once did? Well, well first of all, it, it, it really is just a big boom. And, you know, there's a, a term in the military, it's called, and I was in the Army for 25 years, so I, you know, this was my life. It's called fire and maneuver. And, and the idea is, whether you're talking about a machine gun or a carpet bombing an enemy, is you, you fire on an enemy to kill and suppress, to create an opportunity to maneuver a force to go to objective. So it's fire, and then you maneuver based on the fire. So even a tactical nuclear weapon, it's just a big hand grenade. You drop it, and then you want to have the capability to do something after that. Well, there's a real – first of all, there's a real question whether the Russians have any armor forces to, to, to exploit a, a nuclear strike. Then there's a the question is can they actually function and operate in that environment? I mean, the, the Russians are down to conscript troops. They're not trained to operate in a nuclear environment. I mean, there's a real possibility that if they saw a mushroom cloud, they might get up and run away. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the day, the Ukrainians aren't going to stop fighting. So, and of course, if Putin actually detonated a tactical nuclear weapon, I mean, if he thinks he's a pariah now. Oh, I know. He, I would, mean, he would completely lose support with China, and he would get no support even probably from Iran. So, so my answer is, this, look, only Vladimir Putin knows what Vladimir Putin will do. I mean, certainly it's in their doctrine, certainly they have the capability, but the reality is if they do something, they will be worse off than when they started. Mm. That, that's all I can tell you. And, you know, how, and, and we, what we have seen consistently from Putin is a lot of wild claims and threats, which turn out to be just wild claims and threats now. Um, now, he also said, you know, I'm going to invade Ukraine. And a lot of people said, well, that's a wild claim. And he did. Um, but the, so, I mean, I, that's why I would never say, well, he's going to do this or going to do that because he's going to make decisions. And, and, and I, I would say he's, he's made bad decisions. So, I mean, and they're not, I'm, they're not stupid. They're not, but they're bad. Mm -hmm. And so when I would say he would never do that because it's a bad decision. Well, they made bad decisions before. So <laughs> he's made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, the, the most obvious question at this point, of course, we're talking to James Carafano with the Heritage Foundation. The most obvious question at this point is the end game. I mean, how do you see at this point, how do you see this war end and what needs to occur, at least from your perspective, to move this conflict towards resolution? Yeah. Well, I get asked the question a lot and, and my cop-out answer is I don't care. I look at it from the perspective of what is in the U.S. interest. What's in the U.S. interest is that there is a, um, a free and independent Ukraine and that Putin does not have the capability to uh, further destabilize Western Europe. As long as he's engaged in this conflict, that's not happening. Uh, and, and so whether the war resolves itself or not is, is certainly relevant for the Ukrainians and the Russians, but, but that's not really the, the, the big thing for us. I mean, what does the end state look like? Well, the end, the end state is a, a free and and defensible Ukraine and a, and a Russian military that and capability that's been significantly degraded. Now, like every other war, wars don't end anything. They're just the next to the next thing. So what I tend to close is it just doesn't matter what the, how the war ends up. It's what do we do to make sure it doesn't happen again and we're in better shape next time? And it's, and it's 
really three things. I mean, we're going to have to continue to help build up and support the Ukrainian military so they can deter future conflicts. We have to continue to strengthen NATO so so Putin never thinks he can um, come after us. And, and Europe needs to be completely off of ener- uh, Russian energy. Uh, they need to be completely energy independent for that, which means they have to develop other things. But if those three things happen, then not only that, that that's you take advantage of the condition that occurred. So you make sure that a bad thing doesn't fall out much in the way, like after we finally defeated the Germans, we did things like the Marshall plan at NATO and we built Japan. So we wouldn't face those kind of threats again in the future. Interesting. I, I, you don't remember this, but I was interviewing you over on 97.1 FM talk the day those missiles struck inside of Poland. And it was literally like oh, within right. an hour, within an hour of this happening. And I'm talking to you on the air and uh, the, all of the media was speculating that these were Russian missiles. It could be an attack on Poland. And you specifically said, no, 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 this is most likely a Ukrainian missile defense missile that's gone awry. And, and you were exactly right. And I bring this up because if people want to follow your analysis online, how can they find you? Well, uh, you know, one is, um, you know, you go to Heritage. Dot org. Everything that any heritage analyst writes is on heritage.org. So if you just literally type in their name in a search engine and like Carafano and heritage, whatever, Ukraine, you're going to find all this stuff. Um, I, I'm on Twitter, JJ Carafano. I, I, I really try to keep up with stuff on there. And I also have a, a Substack. So if you go type in Carafano Substack, you'll get to my Substack thing. And, and, I, and I post on there reporting it. the same stuff that I share with, you know, our people and my other networks around the world, I, I put that stuff on my Substack, and then, and then I update it when it changes. So for example, I've got some stories on there on Ukraine and on the China COVID uh, policies changes. And then when the news changes, I go back and I update the story and add more information. So very good. I appreciate that. James Carafano with the Heritage Foundation. I want to thank you so much for joining us here this evening on KMOX. Thanks for having me. Uh, when we come back, I've got a, several texts here talking about the Ukrainian war. I want to go through some of those texts. And we're also going to get to other news of the day. But kind of the general theme of the evening, just as maestro Matt Pajeski is playing some comfortable music there, Christmas music in the background, uh, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? I would like to know that. Uh, and uh, and what's your favorite Christmas movie? Those are the things that, that we tend to do a lot this time of year. Watch Christmas movies and indulge in tradition. What are yours? 314-436-7900 here on Camo X. We'll be right back. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It is the most wonderful time of the year. And actually, I sang with Andy Williams one time. I'll tell that story after the next segment. But uh, Dan is holding. And Dan uh, actually texted in, was one of the folks who texted in. I responded to him. I wanted to hear his perspective on what we just talked about, about the Ukrainian war. Hey, Dan, welcome to KMOX. Hi, Brad. Um Pleasure to be on. Um, you know, I could really go on, but I know your time is limited. By the way, I'm having you on only two hours a week as a crime in itself. But anyways, um, you know, my the main thing. Wait, I just want to know, if it's, is it a crime because two hours is too much? 
No. Oh, oh, like, yeah. oh, okay. I just, I just wanted to make sure. I thought you were saying, oh, my goodness, when you stick this Brad Young on the air for two hours, he ought to be arrested. No, sir, quite the opposite. Okay, thank you. So the main thing that made me extraordinarily suspicious about, you know, whose, quote, side the public over here in the U.S. should be on was that the media and the lefties are all, oh, poor Ukraine, poor Ukraine. They're just getting picked on. They're just getting picked on poor Ukraine. Now, there is so much more to this than I think we are being told, certainly by the biased media. But another thing I said was, boy, it's a heck of a coincidence that uh, Biden gets in office and all of a sudden we're supposed to stick up for Ukraine that's in this huge conflict right on the heels of him having all those – let's just say questionable business practices in Ukraine, specifically with his son. I mean, they were not, Russia was not unprovoked. And I think Putin had his reasons for doing this and I'm not sticking up for him, but I don't think he's just doing it to be a big meanie, which is what I think they'll have you believe. The gentleman that spoke about the war a little bit ago, I'm sure he's an expert and knows what he's talking about. But uh, he was just talking about the current uh, military strategy, which I guess could be interesting if you're in the fight. But there's so, so much more to this. And it's topical again because now we're sending how many billions of dollars Mm -hmm. over there? This is utterly ridiculous. All right, Dan. Hey, that's exactly what I wanted. I want to get your perspective. I got some other folks holding, but uh, feel free to continue to text in. I'm glad you called in here this evening on KMOX. Thank you, sir. Come back often. Thank you. I'll do the best I can, as Scotty used to tell Captain Kirk. Thank you, Dan. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, Ed has a unique Christmas tradition. I know that's kind of a a quick switch from Ukraine to Christmas traditions, but uh, what's on your mind, Ed? Well, the segue is that I'll tell you my story of when I sang with John Denver in Colorado, but we'll do that <laughs> some other time. You can tell me the uh, the Andy Williams story. Our loving mother had a wonderful tradition when Jim and I were in grade school. We sang in the choirs of the big church, and we would have to be there New Year's Eve at 11 o'clock, and we knew we would be there until about 1. So in her wisdom, Mom said, you're going to take a nap from 7 to 9. Now, can you imagine any kid taking a nap no. on Christmas Eve no. from 7 to 9? I'd no. like to hear from anybody, anyone <laughs> no. who ever did that. Nobody ever did that. No. And so this was with John Denver? Well, no, no. This this was uh, separate. It was a hockey tournament out in Colorado. Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That would be another story. This was just a story of of our tradition that she really couldn't get going because we couldn't take a nap on New Year's Eve. I, I didn't know anybody who could. No, because the whole thing is you're excited about what are you going to get for Christmas, and then your parents ask you to take a, a nap for two hours, which no kid's ever going to do when you're tanked up on adrenaline. Yeah, but uh, Merry Christmas to you. Let's let's get into 23. That's and let's right. let's do it with music. That's right. right. Well, we shall. We shall do that, Ed. Thank you so much for calling in. In fact, uh, we're going we're gonna to take a break here and take you out with some Christmas music here on Camel X. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about the time that I sang with Andy Williams. Uh, and uh, it's, it's interesting because I don't know a lot of people who have, but my wife and I have right here in St. Louis on the fabulous Fox Theater stage. 
So uh, stick around for that through the break. Camelax at your service. With lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. All the news and all that matters to you. The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Here's good old Andy Williams. Hey, welcome back to At Your Service on KMOX. Uh, I, I teased before the break that I was going to tell you when I sang with Andy Williams. This was probably... 20 years ago, uh, it was the early 2000s, and it was at the Fox Theater. And Andy Williams was bringing his Christmas show to the Fox Theater. And one of the things that they wanted to have when he played these shows at the Fox is that they wanted to have church choirs behind him to add depth to the songs and depth to the music, depth to the sound. If you've got an entire choir backing you up, uh, that's going to add a very powerful sound to a show. And from a producer's standpoint, it's pretty cheap because uh, church choirs will work for free. So <laughs> I thought it was a good business move. So uh, they invited my church to come along, and uh, and I usually played in the church orchestra. I wasn't in the choir per se, but they needed a couple of extra people, so I jumped in and we sang. And what was interesting is we got to do these rehearsals with Andy Williams, and then we did several performances with Andy Williams. And as he was rehearsing and as he was performing to the to the crowd, uh, he was obviously pretty old by, by this point in time. He was in his 70s uh, at this time. I guess he was, uh, yeah, again, early 2000s. And everything, and this is what struck me, everything about the Christmas program was scripted. And when I say everything, I mean, even they, they had built-in jokes. And he, I guess because of his age or just because of him, he couldn't wing the jokes. So he had to have the jokes written on cue cards uh, in between the songs. And so we would hear him do these same jokes over and over and over again. And so by the time he actually did them in a performance, uh, they they really weren't very funny. So it kind of took away from the spontaneity because one of the jokes he would say is, and this isn't really funny, is that he would say that he knows this Christmas music like the back of his hand. And then he would look at the back of his hand and say, oh, when did that get there? Okay, and that was supposed to be funny. Nobody laughed. But he had to have that written down in front of him. I'm like, dude, you can't even ad lib. I know this like the back of my hand. You've got to have that on a cue card. So that to me was the takeaway of he had to have everything written down. And I just uh, uh, I I was hoping he would actually add some spontaneity to the show. If you go see Steve Martin and I did, I went to see Steve Martin and Martin Short when they were doing a show. And then I saw the same show on Netflix. I mean, they didn't record Netflix, didn't record the show that I saw, but it was the same tour. And they were at a different venue, and Netflix filmed it and aired it uh, on Netflix, obviously. And so when I watched it, a lot of the material was the same, but because those guys are just amazing, they would ad-lib, they would talk about other things. They Every show wasn't scripted down to the word and the pause. Uh, there was material that was the same, but it wasn't completely 100% uh, the same on every show. But for Andy Williams... 
every show is exactly exactly the same. So that was my one and only time of singing with uh, with Andy Williams. And uh, you certainly can't ask him about it because I think he died 10 years ago. But he's probably, we hope anyway, uh, singing in a much, much bigger choir. What are some of your Christmas traditions? And I I wanted to get this out there this evening uh, because obviously Christmas is just around the corner. But what's your favorite Christmas tradition and what's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, Give us a call, 314-436-7900. But uh, Matt Pajeski, your favorite—you told us your favorite Christmas tradition. Yep. But what's your favorite Christmas movie? My favorite Christmas movie would be uh, Disney did a rendition of A Christmas Carol. I think probably in two thousand nine. It's uh, CGI. It's all the it's the computer generated uh, graphics there, and uh, it's it's Jim Carrey as Ebenezer Scrooge, which sounds kind of like an odd pairing, but he makes it work. It's I love the old like. 17, 1800s, like, London Christmas mm-hmm. feel. I love that sure. old world Christmas. And that, that movie just does a great job of doing of that. Capturing that. Yeah. It really captures that 17th century uh, uh, feel, like the Tiny Tim and the whole yes. Christmas Carol where that actually took place. Yep. And it I, captured that. I love, I mean, regardless of the of which adaptation you watch, I just love that story as a whole, no matter uh, whether it's reading it from the book or watching different versions of the movie. I just love A Christmas Carol. That's great. And I think some other folks are going to have some Christmas memories or Christmas movies. Uh, I'll get into this. I don't think I've got enough time now to get into this. But uh, I got to tell you, my favorite Christmas movie is is Die Hard. But when you talk about the Jim Carrey and the Christmas Carol, there's a comedian. I'm older than you, Matt, and you probably don't ever recall uh, a comedian by the name of Rich Little. You probably don't remember him. But Rich Little was very popular in the 60s and in the 70s. And by the time the 80s came around, his career kind of was, was heading out because he was old. But he did impressions of everybody. And he was the best, one of the best impressionists of anyone that I've ever seen. And so he did a version of The Christmas Carol where he did almost all the characters himself. And he was doing impressions of celebrities. And he always would work in the same celebrities like Jimmy Stewart and Richard Nixon and, you know, people that he could do. Uh, but uh, but if you haven't seen it, I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. It's a I think it's called a rich little a Christmas Carol, very inventive. Uh, but uh, but he does all the characters. And if you are alive in the 70s uh, or the 60s or the 70s, you're instantly going to recognize the characters like Dean Martin and John Wayne, and those are all the classic characters that he would do impressions of. Very very funny. I don't know anyone who could pull that off today. A lot of people do impressions, but not that many. Uh, hey, we've got a call uh, on line one. That's Rogerine. Rogerine. Hey, Rogerine, welcome to Camel X. Yes, hello, how are you? I'm Merry doing Christmas. great. Merry Christmas to you, too. Yeah, I was calling about my favorite show. It's called The Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy Stewart. Oh, and, uh, uh, oh, gosh. The the female in that is, oh, my I can't, goodness. I can't remember her name now, but that that's my favorite show. I watch that every year. And why, why do you, what makes it your favorite show? It's my favorite show because he was working in this shop for this man called Mr. Melichick. And he had thought that Jimmy Stewart was trying to date his wife. And he fired <laughs> But actually, it was another guy. It wasn't Jimmy Stewart. And then the woman that was in the show, he was, they were 
and Margaret love Sullivan. Each other it's and Margaret Sullivan it. is in that version. Yeah, that's it, right? Absolutely, Margaret Sullivan. Well, that's a good story, and it's been done several times. It's uh, been done a lot of times, but this was my favorite. That's your favorite. Well, Rogerine, thanks so much for sharing that with us. Thank you very much. I hope you have a great Christmas. And you as well. Fantastic. Hey, John, uh, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, Good evening. And uh, I'm sure everybody would say it's a wonderful life. But my favorite one is uh, The Bells of St. Mary with uh, Bing Crosby. And what makes it that your favorite movie? Your favorite Christmas movie? Well, you know, part of the reason, I guess, is because, one, I'm Catholic, and two... Uh, you know, him and his interaction and stuff with the nuns and, you know, what they did and stuff, you know, with kids and everything, I mm-hmm. thought was uh, was a really good thing on there. And uh, it, it really showed uh, showed what Christmas is really about, you know. And, and wasn't Ingrid uh, Bergman in that? I think Ingrid Bergman was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. She was in that, too. I think she played a nun or something in that herself or something, possibly. But I haven't seen it in many, many, many years. (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting that you say that, John, is that at some point my wife had a copy of one of the pieces of music from that movie. And for years we had the sheet music from the Bells of St. Mary framed and hung on our family room wall next to the fireplace. That's how much my wife liked the Bells of St. Mary. So you and my wife have a lot in common. Really good, good deal. And I appreciate you having me on. You have a good holiday. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to carry this over into the next hour uh, because I like to hear your traditions. I like to hear about your favorite movies uh, because that's what at your service means. We get to to interact. We've had uh, some folks texting in about their favorite movies, and I'll go through some of those uh, during the the upcoming break. And then we'll get into this again next hour as well. Because, uh, again, I think that I'm I'm convinced that Die Hard is a great Christmas movie. It has all the elements of the Christmas movies that you would ever want, and I will certainly break that down in the next hour. But there's another thing, too, and and, uh, Matt Pajeski and I were having this conversation right before the show, and that is – do you prefer a live Christmas tree or an artificial Christmas tree? Live. And and uh, live. There you go. Matt jumped in. But uh, but why do you prefer? I had a live Christmas tree for years, and then we recently switched to an artificial because of the cleanup concerns. But what do you think? 314-436-7900 here on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. We'll be back right after this. We're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.